This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with Escape, radio's leading anthology series of high-adventure radio dramas. It aired on CBS from July 7th of 1947 to September 25th of 1954. And since the program didn't have a regular sponsor like Suspense, it was subjected to frequent schedule shifts and lower production budgets. Despite all this, Escape enthralled many listeners during its seven-year run. Many story premises, both originals and adaptations, involved a protagonist in dire life-or-death straits. And the series featured more science fiction and supernatural tales than suspense. Tonight's story was written by H. Vernon Dixon and adapted for radio by Sylvia Richards, who had a rather interesting life. She, who aside from working on radio scripts, was a screenwriter who worked on a number of films in the 1940s and 50s including the film noir Ruby Gentry and the western rancho Notorious. She also wrote for television in the 50s and early 60s. She married Robert L. Richards in 1938, and the two lived in New York for a time, but they eventually moved to Hollywood to launch careers as screenwriters. Now, Richards' work was interrupted by the McCarthy hearings. She was called in as a friendly witness for the House Un-American Committee, but claimed that she went along with it because she feared for the well-being of her two young sons. Her action helped cause a divorce from her husband, Robert, who would not testify for the committee, and he was blacklisted and forced to write under various pseudonyms for the remainder of his career. Now to the story that she worked on for this program, Something for Nothing. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever... Dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape! Brought to you by the Richfield Oil Corporation of New York and the independent marketers of Richfield gasolines, motor oils, and other petroleum products. Look for the Richfield Eagle on the cream and blue pumps. Tonight, we escape to a small town on the California coast, behind whose scenes exists a world of terror, blackmail, and death. As H.B. Dixon tells it in his exciting new novel, Something for nothing. The moon wasn't up yet. It was after nine and as dark as my pocket and I was still a hundred miles below San Francisco. 
The coast route is tricky driving, too. The road dips and curves like a squirming snake, smack up against the mountains on one side, and on the other, a sheer long drop to the sea. Thought I was driving north, and I had the inside lane, which wasn't so bad. And I kept bowling right along. And then about three miles below Bayside, I was going into a sharp curve to the right, when beyond it, coming toward me, the lights of another car flared up, a big cream-colored sedan on the wrong side of the road bearing down on me. I slammed on my brakes and skidded sideways. The other car barely skinned past, and I saw a woman hanging halfway out the door on the driver's side, looking scared to death. She didn't even try to make the turn. Her car went straight for the lip of the cliff, and just as it went over, the woman jumped. And the car went smashing down the face of the cliff, easy, a 200-foot drop all the way to the ocean. Hey! Hey, are you all right? Oh, maybe she slid over. Hey there! Oh. What? Where are you? Don't, don't bother. Oh, there you are. I'm, I'm all right. I, oh. Here. Here, hold on. Oh. Don't fall over the edge now. I'm, I'm a little shaky. There we go. I didn't see your car not till the last second. <laughs> Look, lady, I didn't run you oh. off the road. You, you were way over on my side. Oh, I didn't mean it was your fault. My my brakes failed. I was coming down the grade. I guess I, I lost my head. Well, you could have made it all right without brakes. You weren't going very fast. Oh. Uh, I can't see your car down there. It's probably underwater. Might have landed on the rocks, huh? No, I, I heard it flash. Uh, uh, can I drive you anywhere? I wasn't going your way. Oh, that's but, uh... all right. I'll, I'll go back to Bayside. I was going to see some friends down the road, but I don't feel like seeing them. Now you can drop me in town. Uh, fine, I, I'd be glad to. Oh, well, well, you're pretty wobbly. Yeah, let me help you. It was a shock, I guess. Yeah, that was a close one. Uh, say, uh, wait a minute. There wasn't anybody else in that car, was there? No. No, I was alone. You live in Bayside? Yes. I might stop off there tonight overnight. Well, you, you couldn't possibly find a room tonight, the... Uh... The tourist season started. Well, I might find something in a motel. Oh, I'm somewhere. sure everything's full up. And it's, uh, it's easy driving beyond Bayside. No more mountains if you're going to San Francisco. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh, do you live in San Francisco? Oh, I, I did when I was a kid. Uh, lately, I've been living in L.A. I've been working in pictures. Oh. For a while, I uh, thought I'd be another Clark Gable or a Robert Taylor or something. Every agent in town was after me, but uh, you know how it is. It didn't pan out. Why not? You're handsome. Oh, sure. Too handsome. I photographed too slick. I saw I'd never be anything but third rate, so I got out. If I suppose that's sensible. Well, welcome Bayside City Limits. <laughs> now, where do I take you? Uh, straight ahead. Huh? Uh, this is Surf Avenue. It'll take you through the main highway. Well, where do you live? Oh, you don't have to take me there. Uh, stop here. <laughs> well, why here? I'm going to the police station to report the accident. Well, don't you want me to go along and be a witness? Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure that isn't necessary. I'll, uh, uh, have a nice trip to San Francisco. Thanks. Uh, you are going right through, aren't you? Uh, well, I guess so. Well, you'll be there in two hours. Uh, yes, I, I know. Yes, well, well, thanks again, and goodbye. There was something funny about that, Dame. Something was worrying her besides that accident. The way she acted toward me, for instance. All she cared about was getting me out of town fast. So, naturally, I decided to stay a while to find out why. 
I found a room without any trouble at all, and then I walked around Bayside. I liked what I saw. The cars, the stores, the way the women were dressed. Yeah, Bayside was loaded with money. And then sometime after midnight, I dropped into a bar. One of the customers was yarking away to the bartender. I ordered scotch over rice and listened in. She phoned the station about an hour ago and said Frank wasn't tight to go somewhere and not let her know. That was the customer, a big moon-faced man with a red neck who had cop written all over him. didn't sooner or later bust loose. What do you know? Frank's gone off out of there. Well, I told her we'd check around. Hey, she say Frank was driving that cream-colored job of his? My heart jumped like a hooked trout. He sure can't disappear far in that car. It was hard to keep the excitement out of my voice. Uh, pardon me, but, uh... What color car did you say? Huh? Well, I just drove in from L.A. and I passed a cream-colored sedan a few miles back. Well, you couldn't miss this one. Darnest color you ever saw. Huh? The ornament on the hood is a big pair of dice. Well, the one I saw, a woman was driving. No, no, Frank never lets anyone drive his car. Well, Gaston doesn't know how to drive, does she? Oh, sure she does, Chief. She just got a new convertible, only, you know, she doesn't go out much. She doesn't drink, doesn't no. wear makeup, doesn't do anything much, and she <laughs> sure is a mousy woman. <laughs> She went to bed tonight at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, tell me, who is this Gassner? Uh, well, he owns this bar, a couple of restaurants, and he owns a Domino Cottage. He calls it a dude ranch, but it's really a gambling house. Oh, an important man, huh? Yeah, he is. And uh, he isn't. He's got money, but uh, a gambler doesn't rate with the local snobs. Oh, Bayside's one of those towns. Cream de la cream, mister. Some of the oldest families in California live here. So money doesn't count. Not without a pedigree, mister. It sure don't. <laughs> but money counts with me, especially easy money. To get something for nothing, that's the sweetest thing in life. Well, I finished my drink and went to the phone booth. First, I looked up Frank Gassner's address, 16 Yucca Drive, and I wrote it down. And I put through a long-distance call to my pal Danny in San Francisco. He said he'd meet me in Bayside in a couple of days. When I left the phone booth, the redneck cop had left and the bartender was getting ready to close up. I decided not to wait till morning to drop in at 16 Yucca Drive, so I paid the bartender and was halfway through the door Mr. when... Devin. It jarred me having somebody know my name in that town that particular night. I... Turned around fast. Gil Devin. What? What's your hurry, Gil? Don't you want to buy any address? I don't know you from Adam, baby. <laughs> well, I know you. I know your name, rank, and uh, serial number. Oh. <laughs> oh, I dropped that identification bracelet again, huh? In the phone booth. I went in right after you. Here you are. Thank you. The uh, catch keeps coming open all the time. You uh, ought to have it fixed. Yeah, I guess so. But every time I lose it, it gets back to me somehow. Well, how about my reward? Oh? Like what? We could start with a drink. Well, I, uh... I'm sorry. I'd, I'd love to, but uh, I've got a date. That hardly comes as a surprise with shoulders like yours. Now, uh, what does she have that I don't have? Only one thing, sweetheart, and uh, it's not beauty. But what she has, there's no substitute for. Hello, Mrs. Gassner. 
You forgot to lock the front door. Why? Why didn't you go to San Francisco? Well, when I get a feeling I'm not wanted, that's when I stick around to find out why. There was no reason for you to feel that way. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Is there anybody else in the house? No, I sent the maid home for the night. Oh, that's good. That's real good. I uh, just heard a couple of chatty men in a bar talking about a husband who hadn't come home and a wife who'd gone to bed at nine o'clock. I don't see why you've come here to tell me that. Stop stalling. The husband's name was Frank Gassner and you're the wife. And at 9.30, you were out on the highway driving his car over the cliff. I saw it go over, remember? If I give you $2,000, will you leave town? You don't think I'd let a thing like this go for $2,000? But I shouldn't pay you anything at all. I haven't done anything. So you'll pay me $2,000 for nothing? Well, these these circumstances are peculiar. Yeah, I'll say they are. Your husband was in that car. You murdered him. Oh. How much money do you want? Now, later, later. First, tell me about it. (laughs) Everything. Well, come on, come on, give. How did you kill him? I... I heard him drive into the garage, but he didn't come into the house. I found him asleep in the car. He'd been drinking. Passed out cold? Yes, he often did that. I'd been waiting for a chance to kill him. So I started the car and closed all the windows and ran a hose from the exhaust pipe in close to his face. When I went out later, he was dead. Oh, carbon monoxide. I knew it might not look like an accident because he was too drunk to have closed the garage door. So I drove down the highway and... Well, you know the rest. Ah, you had it all figured out, didn't you? You'd wait for a truck driver, a woman in distress. He'd pick you up, drop you off near home. Truck drivers always stick to the schedule, so he'd keep right on going fast, no time for questions. <laughs> but instead of one of those nights of the road, I came along. Yes, you came along. How much money do you want? Oh, you can't pay me off. Not with cash. I'll give you $10,000 and not a cent more. You what? <gasps> Don't tell me what you'll do or what you won't do. From now on, you'll do what I say. But you can't prove anything. Shall I phone the police? You saw the car go over the cliff, but you can't prove I was there. It's your word against mine. And you think they'll take yours? Well, they, they might, seeing that I'm a stranger, except for one thing. You didn't have a purse when I picked you up on the road. No. No, it's in the car. I forgot. It has my initials on it. Oh, please, I, I must get it back. Can you get it, please? Please. The car's probably underwater. No, please. Well, I'll rent a plane and fly down there and look. Probably have to use a boat to get oh, to the car. Try. As soon as you can. Tomorrow. That's a little too soon. No, please, before someone saves the car. Just a minute, Mrs. Gaston. First, you and I have to come to a little understanding. Anything. I'll I'll give you anything. (laughs) You mean everything, don't you, Belle? It was going to be a gold mine. For a start, Belle Gassner went to the bank next day and got me $10,000 cash. Then she made out a power of attorney for me. The next afternoon, I flew down the coast on a rented plane and spotted the car wedged into the rocks right side up under 20 feet of water. The next day, Belle and I went down in a cabin cruiser and dropped anchor as close to the rocks as we did. 
Uh, let the anchor out all the way there. Well, it's hit bottom. All right, now take a hitch in the line. Okay. Now, that's it. There's no drag now. Oh, you... You can't even see the highway from here. No, but if somebody sees us, they'll think we're fishing. Well, how are you going to do it? Well, I'll tie a rope around myself. You hold on to the rope so the surf doesn't bang me into those rocks. All right. Uh, wait a minute. Maybe we should swim over to that big rock there and try it from there. But I can't swim. No. Well, I'll swim over and pull you across. Oh, no, I'm, I'm terribly afraid of water. All right, all right. I'll try it from here then. But you hang on to that rope, you understand? Yeah. If anything happens to me, baby, then you're really in trouble. I fastened the rope around my waist, then I waited for a backwash of surf, took a deep breath, and dove. My dive carried me down to the top of the car, and I hooked my arm through the front window and held myself against the force of the current. And then I looked in. It was a world of greenish twilight, but I could see everything. Frank Gassner's body was floating against the ceiling of the car, his arms and legs waving in the current, his coat flapping as if it were in a breeze. I looked away from the body and tried to find the purse. I hung onto the steering wheel and finally saw it on the floor, held on by the weight of the flashlight. When I went after it, the body brushed against me in a kind of a caress. I grabbed the purse, shoved myself out of the car, and struggled to the surface and clambered aboard. You've got it, oh, thank heaven. Of all the fool women, you would leave something like this in the car. Well, I guess we should start back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Now that you got my purse back, there's no way to prove I was in Frank's car. Doesn't that worry you? Not a bit, baby. <laughs> I might refuse to go through with our deal. I might revoke that power of attorney. No, you won't. I still hold some aces, Belle. That night I started playing those aces. Belle Gassner had never known a man like me, only a husband that she'd hated. All I had to do was make one move and she fell as hard as any of the rest of them. And having her crazy about me was the best way to keep her in line. Better than any threats. And I didn't have to worry about Belle Gassner. Not anymore. And now I had the world by the tail on a downhill pull. When I got back to the Bayview Lodge later that night, Danny was waiting. So? What's the pitch, Gil? Ever hear of a character named Frank Gassner? Yeah, sure. Had a place in Reno once. Last I heard, he had a gambling joint here. Why, you working for him? No, his wife. Huh? Gassner's missing. He took a powder, uh, met with an accident nobody knows yet. So she's appointed me manager of the whole works with the power of attorney. I, uh, I want you to front for me, Danny. Why do you want to front? Well, I, I don't want to be known as a gambler. This is my big chance to live first class. I want everything that goes with it. <laughs> Maybe I'll even join the racket club. Go social. Yeah, you always did have big ideas, Gil. How long is this going to last? Well, long enough. Well, suppose this Gassner shows up someday. He won't. Uh, uh, now, now, wait a minute, Danny. My, my hands are clean. I, I didn't do him, and I, I know what happened to him, but I'm the only one who knows. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, Gil. Okay, I'll play along. A week later, Bell introduced me around, and I took over. 
Danny did most of my work, and I began living high. I even bought a brand new plane, a beautiful low-wing four-place job. And I took Bell up the first day. You know, flying's the only time I'm really myself, Bell. There's nothing like it. I know a little about it. Oh, you do? Uh-huh. I took lessons for a while. Frank was going to buy a plane. Well, how many hours do you have? Oh, almost 20. Oh, then you're solo, huh? I wasn't very good. Just never could get the hang of it. Oh. Well, come on. Try it. Take oh, over. Oh, no, no. Oh, come on. You think I can? Why, sure. It's a cinch. Well. There we go. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> now, uh, try a turn to the left. Huh? Oh, no, no, not too steep. There we go. You got the feel of it? Oh, it's fine. It's wonderful. Yeah, sure it is. You must have had a bad instructor. <laughs> but now, baby, you've got me. The money began rolling in. I bought a bachelor house on the beach. I joined the racket club. It seemed like there was no end to the good things I'd heard about and never known. Yet, slowly, little by little, a sour note crept in. Belle began to get on my nerves. She she was so possessive, I began to hate the sight of her. One night at the racket club, she was dancing with someone, and I was having a drink at the bar. Oh, hello there, Gil Devon. What? Well, hello. <laughs> I just knew those shoulders went with that handsome face. Are you uh, tied up tonight, or can you buy me that drink? Sure I can. Uh, tell me, why haven't I seen you around since, uh, the first time? I've been to Europe since then. I'll be here for a few weeks, though, then I'm going to New York for the winter. Oh, I thought this was your home. It's one of them. Daddy's got four houses scattered around the country. Oh. Look, uh, you don't mind the drink. Let's go outside. Sure. <laughs> You've, uh, got an edge on me, I... I don't know your name. <laughs> Allison Price. You know something? Here's something I've always imagined would happen to me. Really? You didn't seem to think so that first night. No, well, I, I had something else on my mind. Something that had to come first so that you could happen. And uh, what was that? Money. girl like you can only come along when a man's got... Money to burn. And on the way home that night, I was in real trouble. Where were you? I saw you leave with Allison Price. I told you, Belle, we were outside talking. I warn you, Gil. If you ever think of leaving me, I'll go to the police and tell them we both killed Frank. And I mean it, Gil. Oh, calm down, Belle. I'm not interested in that Price girl. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. As soon as you're legally a widow, we, we'll get married. That's a promise, Bell. I felt like a steel trap had closed on me. Yeah, Bell was dangerous. She had to be handled right. I planned everything down to the last detail and then waited. Until one night pretty late. Yeah, I'm... Gil, they found them. What are you talking about? Found who? Gasner. Gasner's body's been found. The car's down the roadways at the bottom of a cliff. Somebody spotted it from the air. It must have been an accident. Yeah. Look, uh, should I call Mrs. Gasner? Chief Arnold's not going to tell her till he's poked around. No. Uh, no, Danny. I, I'll call her. Uh, thanks for letting me know. 
Hello, Belle. I'm so glad you called, darling. I was just going to bed. Well, you're not going to bed now. You're going to leave town. Why, Gil? I can't tell you why over the telephone. I'll pick you up in ten minutes. All right, darling. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You better take your car. Pack a bag and drive out to the airport. Don't let anyone see you. I'll meet you there. They found Frank last night. Danny called. Oh, is that all? What a relief. I, I couldn't imagine Wait a minute, Belle. Danny says that Arnold's already figured out from the wreckage that Gassner wasn't driving the car. That doesn't mean they'll suspect me. And the autopsy shows that he was dead a long time before the car went over the cliff. They know it was carbon monoxide. No. And somebody on your street saw you walking home that night. Then Chief Arnold knows I was lying. Oh, what'll I do? That's why I ask you to meet me out here. You can take my plane. But I'm no pilot, Gil. You can do it, dear. You can fly up the coast past Frisco across the state line to Medford, Oregon. Oh. What shall I do there? Stay there. You'll be out of the state. Then when I straighten things out, you can come back. But I, I, I can't do... It's the only thing you do, Belle. Now, trust me, darling. It was barely dawn and there wasn't a soul around. Belle stayed in her car while I got the plane ready. I rolled it out of the hangar and parked it just over a water drain. And then I opened the valves to the gasoline tanks and let almost all of it drain out. So she'd have only enough fuel for 15 minutes of flight. I rolled the plane out on the runway and got it warmed up, and then Bell ran across, and I helped her climb in. Now, just follow this course I've marked it. Yes. Stay over the ocean at least an hour. Why, Gil? Well, I don't want you spotted. It's oh, safer that oh. way. This engine runs like a wristwatch. All right, darling. Oh, Gil. Oh, you're okay, honey. Don't worry about it. Now, depend on me. I... Now, don't start crying, dear. You, you, you have to get out of here. Gil? Goodbye, darling. She took off to the west and then flew northwest over the ocean. <laughs> what a trusting fool she was. When I looked at my wristwatch driving back to town, it was 18 minutes since the plane took off. By then, it was down somewhere in the ocean out of gas. It would sink at once, and Belle couldn't swim. Well, it wasn't such a terrible way to die. And Chief Arnold would figure it this way. Belle had heard that Frank's body was found. She lost her head and ran because she had murdered him. Case closed. It was a nice day. Nice day to take Allison swimming. Or for a drive up the beach. When I got to town, nothing was open yet except the drugstore. So I stopped and bought a paper. Folded it under my arm and started back to my car. And then I spotted Chief Arnold coming toward me, grinning like an ape. I wondered what was on the old fathead's mind. Hey, hey, hey! Mr. Devon. What? Oh, there. Well, hello, Chief. You look happy about something. Uh, Gil Devon. I arrest you for the murder of Frank Gassner. What? <laughs> Are you nuts? What gives you the idea that I had anything? Never seen this before, Devon. Uh, uh, sure, that, that's my army identification bracelet, I huh? I haven't seen it for weeks. I, I'm always losing it. Yeah, it's handy for us cops that you do. <laughs> this time you lost it in Frank Gastner's car. Uh, oh, uh, say, isn't that Allison Price? <laughs> well, I'll be darned. <laughs> She's got under your skin, too. Shut up. Uh -oh. Shut up, you flat foot. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, beautiful girl. <laughs> and so near. So near. And yet, so far. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robson and has tonight presented Something for Nothing by H.V. Dixon. Adapted for radio by Sylvia Richards. Featured in the cast were Bill Conrad as Gill, Ann Morrison as Bell, Francis Cheney as Allison, Will Gear as Arnold, Rick Vallon as the bartender, and Paul Fries as Danny. Special music was arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. Next week... You are being whirled through the streets of New Orleans by the gay revelers of Mardi Gras. But somewhere in the crowd, dressed as a clown, is a murderer. Your murderer. From whom there is no escape. Stay tuned for George Burns and Gracie Allen. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen and the episode, The 99-Year Lease. Over here. Want the soap that's pure and gentle? Come on, come on, swing to Swan. Lever Brothers, the makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, present the Burns and Allen Show with Paul Whiteman. Our singer, Jimmy Cash. Yours truly, Bill Goodwin. The six hits and a miss. And George Burns and Gracie Allen. And now we take you to the Burns home, where George and Gracie are just finishing breakfast. More cream, dear? Another slice of toast? No, thanks. Well, did you notice the toast wasn't burnt this morning? I finally had a man come up and look at the toaster. Good. It's about time. I made him take it apart and check the whole thing. He charged me $5, but it was worth it. Found out what the trouble was, huh? Mm-hmm. I was leaving the toast in it too long. <laughs> oh, fine. For another $5, you could probably tell you why the waffle line doesn't make coffee. Oh, George. Everybody knows that. There's a shortage of coffee. <laughs> Let's just drop the whole oh, thing. Oh, look, and... dear. Look out of the window. Where? What? There's Mr. Morton leaving for his office. Oh, thrilled to find. Mrs. Morton is walking out to the gate with him. Now she's kissing him goodbye. George, have they been married to each other the same length of time? <laughs> of course they have. Why? Well, she kisses like they were just married, and he kisses like they've been married eight years. <laughs> Gracie, you shouldn't watch your neighbors. It's not nice, Oh, you know. you're right, dear. Oh, look. Across the street, there's Fred Pomtag leaving for his office. And Mrs. Pomtag is kissing him goodbye. Oh, it must be heavenly. Stop being silly. George, I wish you didn't work at home. <laughs> if you had an office, I could kiss you every morning. Well, I do kiss you every morning. I know, but you never give me the pleasure of kissing you goodbye. <laughs> Look, I don't need an office. Well, we're just missing the best part of married life, that's all. Darling, I have no use for an office, and believe me, we're not missing the best part of married life. 
But in the movies, whenever Melvin Douglas is married, he always leaves for the office in the morning and kisses Irene Dunn goodbye. Gracie, do I have to remind you that I'm not Melvin Douglas? No, George, you don't have to remind me. <laughs> We've been married for years, and this is the first time you ever mentioned an office. But I thought about it. Yesterday, I thought of Nate Leavitt. You were leaving for the office. I actually stood in front of the house and waved for five minutes. Just waved to no one? Well, not as it turned out. But they all finally left and went over to the USO. <laughs> Smart piece of waving. Good. All the husbands of the girls in the club have offices downtown. For the last time, sweetheart, I don't need an office downtown just to do our radio program. That little rumpus room we fixed up for me is fine. Well, no, it isn't at all. At night, Blanche Morton can ask her husband if he had a hard day at the office. But how does it sound when I say, did you have a hard day in the rumpus room, dear? <laughs> Gracie, let's drop the discussion now. But, George... Now. Oh, it's my darling little duck. I'm awfully glad you're here, Herman. Mama wants to ask you a question. Now, uh, you're not very proud of your daddy, George, are you? <laughs> but suppose your daddy had a great big swanky office. Then you'd be proud of him, wouldn't you? <laughs> I wonder if they'll ever draft ducks. But, Herman, if your daddy has an office, he'll be a big, important man like those men who, uh, who control the railroad. And then he'll take you on the choo-choo. <laughs> I ever heard. Mama's so proud of her clever little boy. Oh. Oh, that's fine. A ham with drumsticks. <laughs> Gracie, maybe you've got something with that office. At least I'd get away from that silly duck. Oh, that's wonderful. You hear, Herman? Your daddy's getting an office. He's got to be a big businessman like Henry Kaiser. Do you know what Henry Kaiser builds? Uh-huh. Herman, I'd just like to remind you one thing The government needs fat uh, They need it for bullets and bombs And they want us to take it to our meat dealers right now Herman, what are you doing this evening? Go on, go on, go on George, I'm going to run up and get my hat. Uh, what did you say, dear? I'm going to get my hat and we'll go right out and pick out an office. Okay, dear. Hi, George. Hello, Gracie. Oh, hello, Bill. I'll be right back, George. What's going on, George? Oh, nothing. I'm going to work in an office. Work in an office? George, what? If I catch you sitting on the boss's lap, I want my ring back. <laughs> Stop being funny. I'm going to rent an office for myself. Oh, well, you're lucky I came over. I know a girl who's a great secretary. Her name is Gwendolyn. Well, I don't want a secretary. Oh, but though. she's great, just, George. Her just, shorthand is sensational. I just... Listen, the other day I dictated a letter this fast. Now, get this. Uh, Dear madam, in case you haven't heard about it, Swan is the new pure white floating soap that's great for washing the dishes. Because mm. Swan gives you suds faster than any other floating soap. And that's true even in hard water. Yeah, but I don't want a secretary. And George see, Gwendolyn read that letter little, right little, back to me. Little... She read it... She read it back to me in shorthand. She said, Dear Matt, 
That's why he knew why Flosso, that he grave for what the dick. Forget it, forget it, forget it. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't need a secretary. I'm just but George, a little, a little, Gwendolyn, a little... Gwendolyn is the Toscanini of the keyboard. Oh, uh, really? Yes, well, she I types don't... 160 words a minute. You ought to see those beautiful white hands flying over the keys. And why do you think she has beautiful white hands, George? Why, Bill? I'll tell you, George. <laughs> well, sir, she uses Baby Gentle Swan for every soap and water job in the house. And no matter what you use Swan for, whether it's washing the dishes or some hankies, hose and undies or anything, Swan is kind to your hands. That's why, George, and I'm glad you asked me. Bill, I don't care if Gwendolyn uses Swan to play her mandolin. But, George... See, I'm not using... A, a George, who will write your letters, answer your <laughs> phone, and remind you of things you mustn't forget? Like the fact that Swan saves you money. Because with Swan in the house, you don't have to buy easily wasted packets. Okay, soap. okay, stop t -t talking. I'll hire her, I'll hire her. Hire her? You can't hire Gwendolyn. She's got a job. And she's crazy about her work. Why did you do all that talking? Well, George, I don't exactly hate my work either. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> At breakfast, I'll bet he wears a green wrapper with a white swan on the front. Oh, uh, George, while I was putting on my hat, I was thinking how wonderful your office is going to be. You are? Mm-hmm. Monday morning, you'll kiss me goodbye, and Monday night, you'll kiss me hello. Oh. And Tuesday morning, you'll kiss me goodbye, and Tuesday night, you'll kiss me hello. Uh, and Wednesday morning, you'll kiss me goodbye, and Thursday morning, you'll kiss me goodbye, and Thursday minute, night, you'll kiss me hello. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't come home from the office Wednesday night. <laughs> you didn't? Well, don't let it happen again. <laughs> What? The idea of leaving your poor little wife home slaving oh, over a hot stop stove while you're having a gay it, time in your office. This is Paul Whiteman. Tonight, Jimmy Cash sings of a time we all hope will come soon. When the lights go on again. All right, Jimmy. When the lights go on again, all over the world, and the boys are home again, all over the world, and rain or snow is the skies above, a kiss won't mean goodbye, but hello to love, when the light's gone again, all over the world, and the ships will sail
crazy. This office building looks too expensive. I'm going across the street and try the other one. All I need is just a little cubby hole. Well, I'll it's... talk to the manager and see what he's got here. Yeah, but don't look at anything too expensive. Well, you don't have to worry, dear. You know what I always say? A pound of pennies is why foolish. <laughs> well, I know you always say that, but all I want is just a little cubby hole. I'll be right back. Oh, all right. Oh, let's see now. Oh, here's the manager's office. Um, uh, are you the manager? Yes, indeed, little lady. Well, uh, my husband, my husband would like to rent one of your offices. Oh. Uh, just a small cubby hole. Oh. Uh, well, not too small, of course. Sort of a medium-sized cubby hole. Oh. Uh, you know, like an office, like a large office. Oh. He, he'd like a big suite with three big rooms. Oh. Oh, well, I have the very thing you're looking for. Now, uh, if you'll just sign this lease. Oh, now, wait a minute. I'm much too careful to rush into anything that quickly. Oh, I see. Uh, has this suite got windows? Yes, indeed. Oh, good. Where do I sign? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right on that dotted line, little lady. Here's a pen. Thank you. Gracie Allen Burns. There you... Oh, my goodness. Hmm? This lease is for 99 years. Is something wrong? Well, you see, my husband is a very healthy man, and he'd be upset if the lease expired before he did. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't worry about it, little lady. Uh, now then, uh, what kind of office furniture will your husband require? Well, I don't know. What do you usually put in your office in? Oh, it all depends on what the office is used for, madam. Could be desks and steel files, a cabinet for law books, a dentist chair, an operating table, a stock ticker. Well, that sounds satisfactory. Uh, uh, which? All of them. <laughs> all of them? Of course. Lady, do you happen to be married to Orson Welles? Oh, no. His name is George Burns. And that's the name I want on the door. George Burns Limited. That office equipment, I hardly think he will be. I'll say. <laughs> what? I said with oh, that never office... never mind, never mind. I think I'd like to see the suite now. Oh, yes, of course. It adjoins my own office. Uh, just right out this door, if you please. Oh, here's my husband. Now we can see together. Gracie, Gracie, I saw the cutest place across the street for only $25 a month, just exactly oh, no, what I wanted. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I want you to see the little place I picked out. You picked out? Uh-huh. All right, Mr. Manager, open it up. <laughs> Gladly. There. Isn't it snug? Isn't it cozy? Snug? Cozy? Yes. And just think, it's yours for 99 years. Oh. <laughs> what an office. Six filing cabinets, five desks, twelve chairs. What a job moving this furniture in here. George, you'll, you'll have to move it all out again. Move it out? Why? It spoils the echo. Look. <laughs> Gracie, will you sit down? All I wanted was one little room. And I've got an office you could hide a flying, a flying fortress in. Oh, but now I can kiss you every night when you come home. If, if you had a little office, I, I'd just give you one little kiss. But you've got a big office with three big rooms, so I'll give you three great big kisses. Well, glad you didn't rent the whole floor. I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> That's funny. Who knows we're here? Well, it's probably the girls from the employment agency. I told them you'd want a secretary. Now, wait a minute. All I wanted was just a little copy hole. Well, I don't all wanna... big men have secretaries, George. You can take one of these girls temporarily, and then later on you can hire somebody more experienced, like Secretary Morgenthau or Secretary Hall. <laughs> Look, Gracie... Come in. 
from the Acme Agency. Are you the party who's looking for a secretary? Oh, yes, I'll interview you both. Uh, your name is? Lucille Health. I'm very good. I'd still be working if my last boss hadn't been drafted. Before he was drafted, he was in women's dresses. <laughs> well, I suppose it takes all kinds to make an army. <laughs> um, Lucille, uh, what would your salary be? Well, um, 20 a week. 20 a week? Oh, that's not enough. You should get at least 35. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Well, in fact, for a girl who's really a good secretary, I don't think $50 is too much to you. Oh, no, $50 would be fine. Well, I'm sure you're capable, Lucille, but that's a little more than my husband can afford. Next girl. <laughs> Gracie, she said she'd work for... Oh, uh, what's your name, miss? Uh, Geraldine Bojo. And I'm very good at taking shorthand. Well, I'll try you out. I'll dictate a short business letter to you. Ready? Mm-hmm. Um, George Burns Limited. Dear Limited, <laughs> we, uh, we received your contents and the 15th inch was duly noted. <laughs> Thanking you in the past for advanced favors, we are. Now, read it back. Um, George Burns Limited. Dear Limited, we received your contents and the 15th inch was duly noted. Thanking you in the past for advanced favors, we are. Oh, I'm sorry, Geraldine, but that letter doesn't make a bit of sense. Next girl. <laughs> Next girl. Now, oh, dear. She was the last one. Well, good, good. Forget the secretary. Oh, no, George. I'm going to keep trying until I find you a girl who is intelligent and capable and clever and... Well, I know just the girl. Well, all right. Send her around next week. Oh, why, wait. I can start right now. Go ahead and dictate. You? Yeah, me. Oh! Six hits and a miss, and the boys in the band, and one of Jerome Kearns and Johnny Mercer's very, very best. Dearly beloved. Won't you please, please be mine? 
suite of rooms. This office is ridiculous, Gracie. Miss Allen, please. Huh? Well, I'm just your secretary now, so you better call me Miss Allen. Or Toots. <laughs> I, uh, Toots. Yeah, and I'll call you GB. GB? That's office stuff for George Burns. You know, your initials, GB. I don't want you to call me GB. Well, that's the way it's done, dear. My sister Bessie used to be secretary for a man named Philip Simmons, and she always called him FC. <laughs> I don't care what your sister Bessie did. All I wanted was yeah, a little cubby hole. It's fun being a secretary. <laughs> I hope I don't make a great big fool of myself and fall in love with the boss. <laughs> oh, stop. I'll be the laughing stock of all my friends. Oh, don't you worry, dear. They laughed at all great men. They even laughed at Lincoln. But he went right ahead and invented the highway. <laughs> all right, all right, now, I don't would... Don't get excited, oh. GB. And quit with that GB. GB, what is this? Probably the janitor. Come in. Oh, wait, George. The secretary does the work. Come in. Thanks, thanks. Holy smokes, what a place. Do you like our little office, Bill? Well, yeah, I've always wondered how the Rose Bowl would look with a roof. <laughs> you haven't seen anything, Bill. Look at this. Where's the barbecue pit? <laughs> I've got three rooms like this, and it's silly. I've got no business. No one wants to see me. Oh, oh, excuse me, boys. I'm going out into the hall. Tracy. Yeah, I've got an idea. George. Why don't you get a smaller office? Why? Because the landlord had Gracie sign a 99-year lease. A 99-year lease? Why, he can't do that, George. Give me that phone. I'll break that lease for you. Well, how can you break the lease? Listen, I didn't go to law school two months for nothing. <laughs> Hello, landlord. I'm calling for George Burns. Now, listen, you unethical, money-grabbing old... Me? I'm Bill Goodwin, and I'm telling you that if... You do... But gee, it is a wonderful soap. Oh. Bill, Bill, the lease. You said something about breaking the yes, lease. Yes, sir, landlord. Here. That's exactly what I always uh, say. Swan is the new pure white floating soap that's a honey for suds. Mm. Yes, sir. I never saw such suds in all my life. Fast, too. Look, Bill, you came in. You said you had an oh, idea your wife about, too, about, huh? Uh, about uh, well, why shouldn't she be? Especially since there's a little baby in the house. Mm. Swan's perfect for bathing the baby. It's as mild and pure as the finest Castile soap. That's what makes it so swell for your face and hands. Yeah, like peaches and cream. At least, Bill, break it, break it, break huh? it, break it, break oh, it. Oh, yes. Break it. Oh, landlord, Mr. Burns suggests you break it. Break it, break it. Break yeah, break it. Swan in two. Yes, yes. <laughs> Use half in the kitchen for dishes and housework and put the other half in your bathroom for your shower or tub. Look, Bill, you brought this on yourself. Oh, you see, that's great. Just own. great. A, a oh. cake of Swan in every office? Oh, thank you. Goodbye. Well, that's a fine way to break a lease. Now, wait a minute. You want to break the lease with a landlord who's going to give swan soap to all his tenants? Why, shame on you. It's men like you who cause bottlenecks. You're <laughs> leaving so soon, Bill? Well, yes. Gracie, your husband is without a doubt. Who's your friend? Oh, him? Well, he's the gentleman I found out here in the hall. What'd you say your name was? William Murray. Uh, Mr. Murray is going in to see George. Oh, well, chins up, Mr. Murray. So long. All right, Mr. Murray. GB will see you now. Well, what do I want to see him for? Well, Mr. Burns just opened this office, and you can be his very first customer. But I can't afford to buy anything, lady. You see, what with the $25,000 ceiling and the fact that I ain't worked in 12 years? Oh. <laughs> Why, it won't cost you a cent. Everything is with our compliments, absolutely free of charge. Go right in. I'll wait out here. Yes, ma'am. 
<clears throat> yes? Uh, I do. <laughs> I do? Nice office you have here. Thanks. Big. Yeah, yeah. Mighty big. Mighty big, mighty big. <laughs> uh, who are you anyway, and what do you want? I'm, I'm your first customer. <laughs> customer? Yeah, I'm kind of in a hurry, so if you don't mind, I'll just take one and go. <laughs> take one what? I don't know. What business are you in? <laughs> Radio programs. Well, you better give me just a small one. I don't use them very often. <laughs> Look, Bud, you must be in the wrong office. I don't give away any samples. Now, there's the door right there. Yes, sir. I'm sorry I took up your time. That's all right. Goodbye. In case I don't see you again, I'd like to wish you a very merry Christmas. Out, 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 Well, did you enjoy your visit with PV, Mr. Murray? He gave me a brush. Oh, well, that's nice. Take care of it. You never know what they'll ration next. <laughs> Pardon me, miss. I'm looking for the office of Rubicum and Young, attorneys at law. Well, go right in. G.B. will be glad to see you. Oh, is G.B. Rubicum or Young? Well, uh, he's not young. <laughs> well, then he must be Rubicum. I'll go right in. Good afternoon. Yes, what is it? I'd like to divorce my husband. <laughs> well, what's that got to do with me? You're the man I want. Who, me? Yes I want you to go to Reno with me What? I'll pay all your expenses Oh, gee, this is very flattering, lady But, but, you see Then you go? Well, look, I'm a married man I, I, I What difference does that make? You're a lawyer, aren't you? A lawyer? I'm no lawyer Oh, so you just wanted to hear my troubles, huh? Curious, huh? Oh, Hereafter, you can listen to Mr. Anthony. Uh, What's going on around here? Uh, this way, Mr. Davis. Another customer, GB. So you've been sending in these people. Lady, I'm sort of in a hurry. Oh, and well, I... a GB will take care of you right away, Mr. Davis. Gee, lady, I don't what know. What is this? What does this guy want? Well, if it's all the same to you, I'm sort of in a oh, hurry. Oh, your worries are over, Mr. Davis. Just ask my husband about whatever's on your mind. Go on, ask him. Okay. Hey, mister, is there a place on this floor where a fella could wash his hands? Out, 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 out. You and your ideas. This office will drive me crazy. And I'm stuck, stuck with a 99-year lease. Oh, you're it's... worried about the lease? Well, I'll break it, that's all. That's all, huh? Well, where's the phone? Hmm. Just break it, that's all. Hello? Oh, boy. Hello, is this the manager? Well, this is Mrs. Burns. I'd like to break my lease, please. You will? What? What? Oh, all right. Well, thank you very much. Goodbye. Well, it's all settled, dear. Come on home. You mean you got me out of the lease? Well, sure. All you have to do is pay him for 98 years. <laughs> 98 years? Mm -hmm. He's given us the last year free to keep our friendship. Oh, After a day like that, it's sure nice to be home in bed. 
Thank goodness that fella finally tore up the lease. Good night, sweetheart. Good night, GB. I'll stop with that, GB. From now on, that office talk is out. All right, George. Well, PD. PD? That's office talk for pleasant dreams. of Swan, the new white floating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in again next week, same time. These programs are shortwave to our armed forces everywhere. Remember, Swan now brings you two of radio's top shows. George Burns and Gracie Allen every Tuesday night, and Tommy Riggs and Betty Lou every Friday night over another network. And now till next week, this is Bill Goodwin saying, well, I, Swan, how about you? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.